The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Jess Navarez, joined alongside Aisha Morrison and Christy Scales over here. Ladies, uh, officially done with week one of football across the NFL. A lot of storylines to come out of week one, but I think the biggest so far uh, was yesterday's Monday night game against the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers officially out for the rest of the season with an Achilles tear. Wow, that is not how you expect a Monday night football game to go. Um, I I was definitely honed in watching, as I'm sure both of you were. Christy, I know you were at Cowboys Hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was literally on my way home. Yeah. I just left the Star District in Frisco and turned on the radio, and the crowd's going wild because Rodgers is running out <laughs> on the field for the first yeah. time. And then within two minutes, a clock time, just four plays, and he's out for the year. And what's funny is um, just – 45 minutes earlier, Leighton Vander Esch, who was the guest on the Cowboy Hour last night, was talking about how excited he was to go against Aaron mm. Rodgers again and for the first time with the Jets. But Leighton had gone with him, gone against him uh, when Aaron was with the Packers, of course. And Leighton was saying, was this is how you really can measure your defense, right? I mean, the different challenges week to week, but going against uh, one of the all-time great quarterbacks and a future Hall of Famer, he felt like it would be a good measure for Leighton personally, but particularly for the unit overall. But instead, it's going to be Zach Wilson getting the start for the Jets Sunday afternoon at AT AT&T Stadium. Absolutely. And we always talk about here on the podcast just – how hard it is to see these injuries happen um, to any player across the NFL. But Aaron Rodgers' story in particular of closing the chapter with the Green Bay Packers, deciding to go to the New York Jets, the Jets really building this team around him. He finally gets this start. He's running off on the field at the start of the game, holding the American flag in tribute for the 9-11 memorial that they did before the game. The crowd is electrified. The tweets before the game were him running with that flag, how excited everybody was four plays into the entire game, and you just knew something was wrong. You could just see it. The way he got up, he had this really weird look on his face, and then he went down. He he, he didn't crash down. He just kind of sat down, rolled back, got up, and uh, sat up, I should say, and then that's when the medical staff went to go to him. Aisha, I'm sure you were watching the game, but for you, it's just such a shocking moment I, I feel like a lot of us are still in shock kind of taking in what happened with Aaron Rodgers what did you see uh when all of that happened I mean it, it was just so quick well I ain't gonna lie y'all um the older I get the more I accidentally take naps and so I woke up from a nap <laughs> and literally as soon as I woke up was when it was happening mm. so I woke up my tv's on because I had already had a set on the game and I was like ain't no way bro like it's, it's devastating, and I think in my in my lifetime, we experienced some of the Tony Romo injuries and stuff, but Dak Prescott's the first quarterback that I've studied from college into the league, and to see him be out with that ankle injury and just how much that shook 
the team up in that moment, but then also, too, well, they, they rallied around him, but then also, too, just the feeling, the weight mm. of knowing the extent of his injury. And, and during that time, I empathized for the Jets fans and stuff because there was just a lot of um, optimism to what uh, Aaron Rodgers could bring to the team. So I feel for the fan base, definitely feel for the team, even though I think they're going to rally behind whoever's back there. But it was... It was tough, and to see the the responses on social media, it was um, not not. I mean, it ended well, but you still could feel it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You still could feel it. So, someone that great, that important to the game, to see him get injured like that is tough anytime. Absolutely, the uh, Jets would pull off the overtime win, 22 to 16. What an ending! And what was so <laughs> chilling about it was the excitement that everybody had. Right when when the, <laughs> when the game ended, everyone was so happy, so excited. But then you just you watch it and you you kind of just look at the win for what it is in the moment, and then as soon as the game ends, you remember, whoa, yeah. there's a oh, yeah. really big injury. <laughs> this really could change the course of things, and it's Aaron Rodgers. It's not just any quarterback you're talking about. Um, not to say that you know he's more important than the next guy that gets hurt. That's not the case. It's he is a once in a lifetime quarterback. Whether we like to say it or not, whether we like to admit it or not, uh, here in Dallas, he really is a, um, a quarterback of the time. Oh, we we know better than anybody the else boogeyman. because it's been yeah, boogeyman, dagger yeah. to the heart for the of the Cowboys. And uh, man, I'll, I will admit, he is my all time favorite NFL player to watch. We know, girl, non Dallas yeah. Cowboy. I love to watch Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He's he's special, and. It, it was crystallized that 2016 divisional round playoff Cowboys loss. That was the one at AT&T Stadium where it's third and 20 and Rodgers rolls to the left and throws the ball. And, and Jared Cook, the tight end for the Packers, just comes out of nowhere, going towards the sideline and goes down to his knees and catches the ball. Byron Jones for the Cowboys actually had good coverage there. But as Rodgers was rolling left, that ball, it was coming right to me. I was like a third baseman ready to catch it on one <laughs> hop. And then all of a sudden, Cook, just you know from your peripheral vision you could see him coming over it's like oh this one's out of bounds and then suddenly he caught it mm. and then Mason Crosby kicks the field goal to win and Cowboys uh another exit from the playoffs yep. and it's just he's just the guy it's just a shiv to the heart every time you know for for Cowboys fans but um you know that win was incredible, though, and what was really cool from a local perspective is the young rookie who had the punt return touchdown for the Jets, Xavier Gibson, of course, became known, if you've been watching Hard Knocks uh, on Max, you know that um, you know a little bit about his story, but he's a local Dallas kid, Woodrow Wilson High School, and then went to uh, Stephen F. Austin, so what a what an ending and what an introduction to the NFL for Gibson. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that Jets defense, ho, ho. Oh, yeah. It gives ho, us plenty ho, to talk about. Oh, man. It gives us plenty to talk about uh, as we start to kind of turn the page here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk for the matchup against the Jets. One thing I did want to mention is Jerry Jones went out on 105.3 The Fan this morning. Of course, he was asked about his reaction to the injury, um, and he was just very quick to say, you know, it, it was sickening. It, mm -hmm. it just made him feel sick, made everybody feel sick um, that had to see it. He was, he said he, he was reminded at how fragile a season can be for a player. Um, and, and it's funny that you bring up the Jared Cook catch because he said, 
that Aaron Rodgers has taken his toll on the Cowboys with two specific games in mind. That was one of them. The other one, can anybody guess what the other game was with the Packers that he oh, just the Dez caught it one. The Dez caught the Dez catch one because Dez did catch it, um, as we know. And so he talked about those two moments, but overall, Jerry Jones just very somber when he was talking about yeah, it's his bad, injury. bad for the league, yeah. you know, to lose one of the premier guys. And there are all sorts of repercussions. The Green Bay Packers, instead of getting a first round draft pick and the trade, they, they're going to get a second round pick because Rodgers is not going to play two thirds of the snaps Ouch. this year. Look at all the money mm-hmm. that. Um, is against the uh, Jets cap for uh, their starting quarterback and a franchise future Hall of Famer. And then, you know, and he signed $75 million guaranteed. And even if he wants to come back next year in rehabs, he will be older. So, I mean, these are these are serious consequences, not just for the Jets, but there's a ripple effect that that touches the whole league. And and what about what about the NFL schedule makers? Mm. Why are the Jets on so many primetime games oh, and being featured yeah. and stuff? That might change. It, it might. Well, it might. It, it might. I mean, later in the league when you have some flexing, maybe they get flexed out. But, hey, we saw that defense last night for the Jets. This is still this is still going to be a team to contend with. And, and you see their run game. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, Zach Wilson – Hadn't done anything his first two years in the in the NFL uh, other than falling to third string quarterback, but now he has his chance and a new coordinator and and so you know we'll we'll see now he has a chance to prove himself. He was the second overall pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, I think it'll look a lot like um, what the Cowboys looked like with Cooper Rush. Especially since your defense is so explosive, can turn the ball over, can, you know, pressure at a high clip. Uh, You probably take a conservative, conservative game plan moving forward with Zach Wilson. Just let him methodically use the run game. But I will tell you, if they can't run the ball, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, but they got Brees Hall and Alan Cook. And that's fine and dandy. But I'm saying, like, there's if they come up against a team that can stop the run, there's a lot of issues in the passing department, especially from their offensive line standpoint. Mm-hmm. Better in the run game. Mm-hmm. I know we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I also just wanted to make mention um, that Mike McCarthy just talked about facing Aaron Rodgers again mm-hmm. yesterday during his press conference as well. Mm-hmm. He said, let's see, that he was excited to see him again. And that most of all, he was excited about this new chapter in Aaron Rodgers' life. And Aaron knew that. Um, so it's just so chilling when you think about the timing of these things. McCarthy had just said that. Right before we came on here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, we go home, we're settled in, we're taking a nap, we're doing Cowboys Hour, we're feeding the dogs, you know, we're doing things kind of right after this, and then this happens, and it's just so shocking um, still. So we wanted to make mention of that. We'll get into more of the key matchups with the Jets as the week continues on, but we did want to continue to kind of break down what we saw from the Dallas Cowboys week one against the New York Giants. We're going to continue to do that. Text us your questions. You might have at 817-290-3298 so we can make sure to get to those as well. We're going to take our first break, but coming up, we have a specific wide receiver to talk about and uh, his speed. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about it in a second. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like... 
Well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola a journey to Foodopia. Burgers, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are talking all things Cowboys offense and special teams, but first, do you eat, sleep, and breathe Dallas Cowboys football? Tell us how you spice up the game for a chance to be named the 2023 Cowboys Fan of the Year, presented by Captain Morgan, and win exclusive prizes plus a trip to Super Bowl 58. Nominate yourself or another today at DallasCowboys.com slash Fan of the Year. Text us your questions. We're taking questions for the next two segments. Ask us anything your heart desires, Cowboys related, please, at 817-290-3298 so we can get to your questions. Ladies, something that we didn't get to mention yesterday, and as soon as we left here, I think I even told Aisha, oh, we didn't mention this. It's been sitting on my heart so heavy to talk about it. That is Jalen Tolbert being this team's starting gunner. And um, John Fossil talked about it yesterday as well, which I just think is so awesome to see this. Jalen Tolbert comes from a background that doesn't really have him pegged as a special teams guy. However, for him to come in his second year after, you know, um, a year not full of opportunity for him, and then to come in, not only solidify a spot in the offense, but also now in special teams in that gunner position, I think is so incredibly cool for him. Uh, really excited to see that. John Fossil yesterday uh, made mention saying that he um, is committed to being a player on special teams and he's becoming a Noah Brown type guy for that unit. So just really excited to see that. Aisha, this is something that I think you had mentioned well before we saw it come to light. Something you've seen from J, uh, JT, and you talked to him, you've talked to him all year, you talked to him all last year, is this confidence boost. Mm-hmm. How is that going to help him in that gunner position? I mean, well, special teams is just a, we talked about it the other day, it's just the physicality of it and just getting involved in that. Also, too, but there's there's specialized, you know, jobs and things within playing special teams that you have to be on assignment. Your timing has to be right. You have to be there. And I just think it, I just think him having some responsibility outside of being a receiver, maybe not getting any um, – he didn't get that many opportunities. I don't think he really got that many. Well, he did. He got a couple snaps at the end of the game, last game. But it'll keep him warm, too. Just keep him active. Keep him involved. And I think that matters when you have a young player that's trying to continue that confidence, having a spot on special teams – and him earning that allows him to stay on the field in some way and to continue to keep that confidence. Because you're on the sidelines a lot. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for that to dwindle, I'm sure. Absolutely. When you're the fourth, fifth, and or sixth wide receiver on an NFL team, you have to play special teams. If you're the second, third, fourth running back, same thing. Second, third, fourth tight end. Absolutely. You're going to be a, a core guy. And Tolbert had only gotten one rep 
at Gunner in preseason action, and that was uh, game two. But yes, uh, you're right, Jess. It, he didn't have that background at University of South Alabama. He was too valuable. You know, he was yeah. offensive player of the year for the conference, and they're not going to risk their top wide receiver out there. He uh, he said that he had only fielded uh, two punts. We had him for our first Cowboys hour of the year, mm -hmm. and um, that was actually uh, Labor Day uh, that evening. Anyway, um, he said that twice he had been on the field in college, and it was for safe punt return. You know, just make sure you catch the punt and don't fumble it or don't return it. And that was that was his vast experience of special teams in college. But, um, you know, I, I think that people uh, forget what a great duo the Cowboys had at Gunner with Kelvin Joseph and C.J. Goodwin. Mm -hmm. And so when Kelvin Joseph was traded to um, Miami just a couple weeks before the season regular season started, then that was the opening. And Jalen Tolbert, he's embraced the challenge. And Jess, you're right, he did draw praise from Coach Fossil yesterday. So I was I was glad to to hear Fossil's always enthusiastic about everything, but it's certainly oh, yeah. well placed when it comes to Jalen. You know what's so funny is you see John Fossil, and, and you just don't know what you're going to get. Aisha and I were standing outside uh, the locker room last week waiting for the players to come in. And Christy, I don't know if you were standing right there yet, but we see Bones walking in, and he's he has a scooter, like this random mm -hmm. scooter that he's riding in, and we're like, "What is he doing?" And then didn't he have a ball or something too? We're like, "He just lives his life." What are you doing? He's just living. Um, great coach. Um, I've talked to past players a lot about how much he's impacted their life, and um, I, I don't think he gets enough praise. I don't think he gets enough credit for the kind of coach that he is and the impact he has on these guys sometimes. Let's talk uh, a little bit more special teams, Christy. I know you wanted to make mention of this because, um, again, we, we like to give all credit to all units here on the podcast. But let's talk about a couple interesting nuggets from special teams that you saw. Kind of things that went wrong but could end up going right for the Cowboys in the long run, specifically with Brandon Aubrey and his missed kick. Tell us a little bit more about what happened and kind of – how how that can help be a learning lesson for Brandon. Yeah, a huge one. And Coach Fossil was talking about this. But if you recall, the missed extra point, it was early in the game. And so it was after the first touchdown, obviously. And that was the blocked field goal mm -hmm. uh, returned. And so that's called sudden change. All mm -hmm. right. It's like if there's a turnover and sudden, you know, let, let's say uh, – when Stefan Gilmore got the interception and then the offense has to run out there, that's that sudden change. When you have a surprise touchdown, like on a blocked field goal, and now the Cowboys, now the extra point team, the field goal team has to run out there to convert the extra point, that's sudden change. So what John was pointing out with the mix with Aubrey, the the learning, the teaching point, and something that he uh, that Aubrey learned very quickly and made the adjustment. They go out, Brandon Aubrey goes up out there, and he gets set in his place, and the linemen aren't even ready to go. Brian Anger's not even down. So Brandon Aubrey, for like 12 seconds, is in his spot kind of waiting for everyone else to get set. Well, that kind of waiting and just kind of the timing and everything, it was all off. So Aubrey needs to pace himself in terms of going out there and going through his process and getting set and everything and making it synchronized with his teammates. So a sudden change score, Aubrey 
getting out there a little early, rushing it, and just kind of the timing being off with everything else. So I know that that sounds like a lot of minutia, but but in the NFL where games are in tenths of seconds, it can be uh, very important. And then the other thing um, that coach was talking about was the blocked field goal itself mm. and remember yeah. how one we talked about it yesterday Wanye Thomas the terrific yeah. play that he made going in and and uh blocking the field goal and Bones was talking about how at the walkthrough Sunday morning you know that since it was a night game 820 eastern kickoff uh, when it's a night game the team will do its final walkthroughs on offense defense and special teams at the team hotel on Sunday morning or Monday morning if it's a Monday night game but they're going through uh, just a few things so for um, kick block uh, field goal units and C.J. Goodwin had pulled Wanye aside and said, okay, on this, here's a specific scenario. And if you get this, then you do this through this gap, all that kind of stuff. And by golly, that's what happened on the, um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I said field goal block. Um, yeah, field goal, yeah, field, field goal, goal block. block. Yep. And so, um, CJ, his, what, what he said to Wanye Thomas that morning is exactly what happened. And then Wanye made the play and Noah, re, uh, Took it in for the score. Mm-hmm. Noah Igbenogany, everybody. Good job. Yeah. yeah. I blew it last night that. on Cowboy Hour. So no, mad at myself. We're, we're still getting used to it. <laughs> it but takes repetition. Like it does. I had to send Aisha a voice note of how to say it. So, I saved it. Yeah, she saved my voice note. She said, can you send me a voice note of how to say it? So I said, Noah Igbenogany. And then I sounded it out for her. Mm-hmm. And now we're good. Um, something else I wanted to make sure to mention about that is CJ Goodwin was the special teams captain. Um, he was elevated from the practice squad special teams captain for week one. Aisha talk all things CJ Goodwin and what a good win this man is for the Cowboys special teams. Please. I mean, honestly, I'm sure Christy would know more than me in that department where I'm just now learning about all of the specifics of being a special teams player and to be, be, I mean, CJ Goodwin has made his career being a special teams player. That should speak to you yeah. on how good he is at, you know, being the general on that side of the ball. Bones is, I think I would, I would, I would consider him Bones' voice on the field. And yes. I think every coordinator has a guy like that. He's that guy for this team. And that's why they keep that cornerback slot for him. That's why when we yeah. talk about roster cuts, you're just like, well, he's going to be on the team because it's not just because of the athleticism and what he does. Because he still, he'll tell you he's lost a little bit. He'll tell you he's a little slower than what he used to be because he has gotten older. But. Um, just also to just getting guys in a position. Like you said, he's played a lot of football. He's seen a lot of fronts. He's seen a lot of kickers. He's seen a lot of stuff. So where we talk about this team, how there's a veteran or multiple veterans at every position on both sides of the ball, then C.J. Goodwin is that for the the special teams players. Bones had mentioned in that press conference of C.J. Goodwin never aging. He said as he gets older, he just does not age. He just, um, and you know, I think that comes with mentality because physically we all age, we all get older. And as a football player, your your job is to be very physical on your body. So obviously that's going to take its toll and its time. And as you get older and you're in the league long enough, that's going to take its phase on you. However, I I really like CJ Goodwin's mentality and he's somebody that um, I, I would like to get to talk to a little bit more um, as the season goes on. But Christy, as far as what CJ Goodwin can bring to this special teams unit week in week out and just special teams in general, we know how important it is. 
how much of an impact does he have for this unit as a whole being that general, that leader uh, for everybody to follow suit with? Oh, in special teams, kicking game, it's measured not in tenths of seconds, but hundreds of seconds. So uh, the difference in getting a field goal off in 1.28 seconds, that would be from the time the long snapper begins the snap, it goes to the holder, the holder puts the ball down, places it, and the kicker's foot strikes it. 1.28 to 1.30 seconds is the difference between a successful kick and it being blocked. So, <laughs> yeah, you have to be exactly right. No missteps, no mistiming. Everything has to be perfect. And when you talk about the, the mentality to detail and it takes for that, do we have time? I, I think I told this story last year, but the muckraking mm. story mm -hmm. for C.J. Goodwin, shall yep. I? Because I, I, know, I, I know that we have new um, viewers and listeners yeah, that come into the Girls Talk, Boys Talk podcast. So for those of you who heard this early last year, it's worth we hearing hear it again because it's such a great story. C.J. is from uh, West Virginia, but uh, near the Pittsburgh market. One of the great Steelers of all time, Mel Blunt, part of the Steel Curtain, one of the great defensive backs in NFL history, has a farm in West Virginia. And it's one of these working farms and uh, would host like uh, youth camps and troubled youth, think, things like that. Well, CJ, um, CJ played basketball with Mel Blunt's son. And CJ had relatives that worked on Mel Blunt's farm. So when CJ is is a teenager, he takes a job working on Mel Blunt's farm, literally mucking, mucking stalls, shoveling bleep. Okay, no. that's what yeah. he does. He's he's playing basketball. He has no intentions of being an NFL player. He wants to play basketball. He ends up getting scholarship to a small. Um, uh, college he's playing basketball but Mel Blunt has followed his career and been like a mentor to him and by the time CJ even finishes high school Mel's given him a promotion to where he's working like as a counselor when the younger kids come to uh, the farm for those kind of camps and retreats so at one point after a couple years of playing college basketball Mel encourages CJ to play um, football and he does. He plays a couple years as wide receiver for a couple more small colleges. And Mel, for the first time ever, as a great Steelers legend, calls the Pittsburgh Steelers and asks for a favor, asks the Steelers to give this young kid named CJ, a wide receiver, a tryout, one of these off-season tryouts. And he's Mel Blunt, so the Steelers do. CJ, of course, he doesn't get drafted, but he does get a tryout, and he makes it on the practice squad, and then he goes to uh, Atlanta, and now he's been in the NFL for it's been a minute, man. yeah, so eight years. But yeah, he was he was an undrafted rookie free agent and on the practice squad for Pittsburgh in 2014. Gets signed to the Falcons uh, practice squad in 2015. Ends up playing. Um, 14 games the following year. Then he goes to Arizona, plays uh, 12 games, and then he doesn't. Uh, then he's kind of wallowing around the league a little bit. Cincinnati practice squad. The Cowboys sign him off the Cincinnati practice squad in October of 2018, and he's been one of the mainstays, not just a special team, so one of the good guys, one of the glue guys, one of the leaders on the team uh, since then. So. 
Be- because he mucked stalls, Mel Blunt it's knew the character of yeah. this kid and knew what a hard worker he was, gave him a chance. Several years later, a phone call to the Steelers for a tryout. They see his athleticism. It's when he went to Atlanta that they converted him to a defensive back, but obviously his destiny was to be a special teams uh, maven, and he is. Absolutely love, Christy, your stories. So good, uh, so impactful, and just shows a lot about who C.J. Goodwin really is. Well, you know, people think that these NFL players, that they've been coddled their whole lives and they've been the stars of their football team since they were six years old. No, No, there's there's so many different stories. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take our next break. Keep sending your questions in. You can send them at 817-290-3298. We're going to answer questions in this last segment. We're also going to take a look at this right here. This is the Cowboys 2023 schedule and how... We could possibly see things going now that we have a little bit of a glimpse into the 2023 Dallas Cowboys. We're talking all of that and more. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be right back. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today. Dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are continuing our 2023 Dallas Cowboys talk. However, let's talk about NFL flag. Let's play. In this game, there's a position for everyone, no matter who you are. Flag is your chance to run, throw, jump, and fly. This is your chance to get involved in the action and join the flag football movement. Learn more and find a league at nflflag.com. Sounds good there. Text us your questions so we can get to them by the end of the segment you can text us at 817-290-3298 all right ladies let's continue this talk we didn't really get into much offense so I wanted to make mention of that because um what you saw is obviously a very dominant defense we know that we talked about that that's really what the talk of the game was but I wanted to make note of the offense. I wanted to really dive deep into that this last segment um, as well. Take a quick look at the Cowboys schedule. Keep in mind, the Cowboys will play your Jets um, this Sunday, week two at home. Then they're away in Arizona the following Sunday. The following Sunday after that, they're back home for the Patriots. So that's just a little glimpse ahead. Let's talk about the Cowboys offense. So a good starting point for them, I'll call it. Aisha, when you went back and you watched some of the tape, what are some of the things that you really notice from this Cowboys offense as being effective, not just for the offense as a whole, but Dak Prescott specifically? Well, I mean, when you go back and look at it, 
I understood why it was difficult for them to get into a rhythm because they weren't on the field that much. And then mm-hmm. they were on and off and obviously the rain and things like that. But um, I really was looking at I really was looking at how he delivered the ball, some of the play schemes. Um, any pressure that came really came from the interior with Edoga and um and Biotis being on the other side of things, like they had their hands full there. But um, the drive after the half is probably the best drive to refer to, which was, um, which was I think oh, it was the slant to Gallup, the really quick slant to Gallup, and then Dak threaded the needle um, to C.D. Lamb. And mm-hmm. Biotish was actually almost in his lap with that throw. That was interesting. And then you had the 25-yard run with Tony Pollard where – the t- the tight ends we mentioned it yesterday they blocked their tails off um so you had 86 schoonmaker henny and a uh, ferg with terrence Steele uh lead blocking and, and sealing off so tony pollard could get that to could get that 25 uh, yard run and then rico daddle came through um right behind big 70 as we've seen before shows some of his power had the drop td um by henny at that point but you could see again like i said you could see the rhythm some of the schemes some of the tempo that they wanted to change within the game um then you had the uh tp screen the really nice screen that was real pretty <laughs> and uh he fumbled the ball but I believe that Shadi mentioned uh, that the fact that Tyler Biotish was was where he was supposed to be was really the reason he was able to recover that that fumble, which was important. And then you had Lipke, you know, shades of the mm-hmm. had Lipke lead blocking for the TP uh, touchdown. So I really that was the drive that I really wanted to refer to because I felt like you could look at the rest of the game and see little pieces of things that you liked. Um, the rub routes, the double rub routes, man. Listen, you you saw some of the. Um, intent to create separation and we talked about that so much last year it was the lack of separation you could see schematically that there are things that Mike McCarthy put in place to create separation get some easy throws for these wide receivers and um, those were some of those are just some of the few things I noticed um, in this in this game to start not a lot to go off of but just enough to kind of get a vision for what the offense could be. Yeah, and Biotish recovering that Pollard fumble yes, was, was so mm-hmm. crucial. And then there was a play earlier in the game where it looked like the Giants had that possible interception there in the, the end zone, that uh, throw to the tight end, but the uh, cornerback came off of Cooks and, mm-hmm. and nearly intercepted the ball. But I, I think the main thing about the offense is – uh, because Biotish got on the ball, because the giant defender didn't make the interception, there were not self-inflicted wounds, and that was the number one thing. Because what, yeah. what, what is statistically the number one determining factor in NFL games? Who wins the turnover battle? Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys obviously dominated that on Sunday. And I thought that the the offense was just efficient enough. They didn't they didn't you know turn the ball over, and no. There were not a lot of penalties in the game. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, overall a, a clean, efficient game. But I love what you said. You mentioned Lipke. And uh, we talked yesterday about how they were using Turpin and lined up in the backfield. And so we didn't, McCarthy didn't play all of his hand. He didn't have to at 40 to nothing. But it was fun to see the way that they deployed the personnel. Yeah. One more thing. Um, the offensive line, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, but the offensive line is what I was also paying attention to. Some of how they were pinning and pulling, sealing off. Mm-hmm. There's a 
and I, I believe that Tyron Smith talked about it on 105.3 The Fan when they interviewed him at training camp. He said, we're taking it to guys now. Mm-hmm. There's an aggression that you see from this offensive line that is far less reactive and more proactive about being the aggressors in the play. And I think that's going to pay dividends um, moving forward, especially when you start playing teams like the Jets and stuff like that. I do think this was a good test interior-wise for this defense, who is going to be ch- uh, this offensive line, rather, that's going to be challenged next week with the Jets coming in because, yeah, they pose a lot of issues with their front four getting um, getting home without having to bring an extra blitz or anything like mm-hmm. that, too. So, mm-hmm. yes, ma'am. And t- Tyron out, Lead and Turpin on that. Oh, man, that, yes. that was beautiful. It's fun to see yeah. him moving yeah. him in space. Outside still. zone run. And, mm-hmm. and how'd you like to be the DB with big Tyron coming right at you? I wouldn't no, be. Thank you. He looks so uh-huh. big compared to everyone else out there. <laughs> Real quick, something I wanted to mention um, was... Mike McCarthy talked about penalties in this game in Mm -hmm. his press conference. He said to him, there's three kinds of penalties. There's the pre-snap, the post-snap, and competitive penalties. And with competitive penalties, what he means is that there's a bit of a gray area. And that gray area means, look, you were fighting for something. It didn't work out in your favor. It is what it is. But then there's also, you know, just inexcusable penalties, which to him are the pre-snap penalties that get them in trouble. He specifically mentioned J. Ron Curse's unnecessary roughness penalty uh, that cost, let's see, it was 15 yards enforced at the New York 38, mm-hmm. which that play was a little weird. Went back to watch that. That was a little weird, a little weird penalty there. He talked about that being an example of players excelling in the gray area. So that's mm. something to really learn from, not necessarily something to penalize, no pun intended, uh, JK for with that as well. So wanted to make sure to mention that. I think it was Chrissy that said no. it was a clean game. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there as well. That's good. That's, I mean immediately when I saw J.K. do that, and if you know anything about J.K., now granted, Daniel Jones does not slide often, and I think that played a role, too, in how late mm-hmm. he, how late it was, because on tape, if you watch him, he's not sliding that much, so I think it may have surprised him to slide, but it's that's kind of a tone setting thing too. That's a I, I'm gonna be here all night, homie. We gonna be yeah. here all night. That that <laughs> that's what that was about. So I get with Mike McCarthy. I'm glad that he clarified that too, because for a lot of people, they were like, "What is he doing? He's such a bonehead play." No, nah, baby, he's trying to let him know. Keep doing that if you want to. It's gonna be a long night for you, mm-hmm. and it was. Yeah, I think I think he's very focused on those pre-snap penalties of as being, you know, more of an issue there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, something I wanted to mention about playing with this aggressive play style is you mentioned Tyler Biotish, and he's somebody that I talk to in the locker room when I have any kind of offensive line question. I just go straight to Tyler. I'm like, hey, I need your help with this, this, this. What am I seeing? Can you dissect it for me? And he has such a brilliant football mind, um, the way he works and the way he operates. And so talking to him has just given me a deeper appreciation for that center position just in general and how much uh, he does. But I was asking him because it was a, a topic of conversation of, oh, my goodness, is Tyler Biotish so chippy all of a sudden? Where did this come from? This is so new. And it's not new. His chippy play style is not new. So I wanted to talk to him about it and kind of just see where his mindset was. And I loved his answer when we, we had this conversation. He said, you know, that conversation obviously came from what happened in training camp with the scuffles, and it kind of carried forward. He said, there's a difference between being chippy in practice and being part of an NFL practice competition, and then being smart and taking that competition into a game. He said, 
obviously there's some stuff you're going to do in practice that you're not going to do in a game time scenario because that wouldn't be playing smart football. He said, so you have to be aggressive. You have to be chippy. You have to have your teammates backs, but most importantly, you have to be smart about when you're doing that and you have to be disciplined. That comes with the discipline uh, aspect of his game. So I just loved that he mentioned that because Tyler Biotish to me, he's like a bear, right? Like you, you go talk to him in the locker room. He's very nice. He's very polite, a little soft-spoken and then you see him on the field and he is like a grizzly bear, right? So I, I absolutely, I commend Tyler. Well, I just, I support how Tyler Biotish operates with his game so, so much. Um, such an important player and I'm glad he got more attention this yeah. offseason. Usually the offensive linemen, the biggest guys, but the softest hearts sometimes. Oh, yeah. And sweetest. And, yep. and, you know, Terrence Steele, very soft-spoken. Yeah. And, and he and tells that, that line. Of them. Yeah. He tells that line going oh, back and looking oh, yeah. at film on him. Oh, yeah. This, oh, he's this, the one. Yeah. He's the one. He's the he's one that the one. If, if, if Tyler wants advice on how to be chippy and not get caught up in game, mm-hmm. man, Terrence is the best at it because even when um, I think TP had his first TD, they were kind of holding on him too long, and Terrence was like, he ran up like, oh, yeah. all right, man, uh, let it, let him go. Like he's very, he's very vocal, and he he'll get in there. You'll <laughs> yeah. see him there, on there, film. There's you'll an see art him. to it. You know who the best trash talker on the Cowboys was? Uh, let's say through the previous decade the 2010s well actually he played so long the the aughts as well jason witten by far Mm, but you never saw it and you never heard it he would like make a play or something he'd be walking past one of the defenders and not under his breath because it was loud enough for the defender to hear it but he oh my gosh yeah you ask any of the guys in the locker room who's one of the best trash talkers and oh des or this is like they're like Witten's the one that'll get the burns mm. in. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's very subtle about it. Absolutely. Real quick, um, for time's sake, I want to go around. We're going to get into all of the Jets matchups and everything like that uh, starting tomorrow on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, and we'll do that for the rest of the week. I want to ask you guys, after all of the scrutiny and just m- coverage this, that this team got in the offseason for losing in the playoffs, obviously you know what the downfalls were. You know what areas of improvement were needed. After this first game, what gives you the most hope of the area of improvement that they put work in the most during the offseason? Defense picking up where it left off last year in terms of the takeaways and the great pass rush and the aggression, and then seeing the young guys stepping in mm-hmm. and making big contributions right away. And, and by that, I mean like the Marquise Bells and the Kate. Wanye Thomases yes, of the world. So um, I, I would say that because, you know, the, the offense, it was – um, it, it was fine. It was efficient. But, you know, the, uh, the best is yet to come with that. But the defense picking up, up where it left off. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, and I, I know I heard, I think Mike McCarthy mentioned a couple weeks ago, like they're aware that teams are going to. If I'm a team and I watch what the Cowboys just did from a pass rushing standpoint, we are going to try to run the ball the best that we can. I don't care. And I think you can expect teams to do that uh, moving forward. But when you look at this revamped linebacker core let me tell you what Dan Quinn is doing is so inventive it is so beautiful I think it's going to change how people look at the linebacker position be with the use of the safeties I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this I don't know if you've seen anything like this Christy no um Marquise Bell coming in going back to watch the film on him and Wanye also was really 
I was so excited. Like, I, had, I was calling people before I got here. I was like, y'all, did y'all see this, bro? And just the lateral quickness, how well he tackles, how physical he is in the box, and he's okay with, with doing that, with making tackles. The Cowboys' run defense is the thing that people really were nervous about. And when I look at some of the things that they're doing um, with the different fronts, but also the usage usage of the safeties to come in there, slash, and be able to they're, – they're physical enough to make the tackles and to be punishing, but they're also fast enough to where offensive linemen yeah. can't get their hands on oh, them. Oh, yeah, the speed. It, the speed is the lateral quickness everything was great so to me that's what I have to look forward to is that I understand that on that first drive you kind of see you saw some leakage you saw some stuff but as soon as Dan Quinn figured out this lineup's not working it was fixed he put those guys in there and they started really clamping down in the run sideline to sideline all of that and just to follow up on that point Leighton Vander Esch in the uh, Cowboy Hour last night was talking about the um unscripted the looks mm. the, and they the, were the, different the, 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 the unscouted looks, looks. yes yeah. they were so, different so, so he said because Mike McCarthy said usually it's about 35 percent unscouted looks yeah. he said he said we were getting about 75 percent yes unscouted that's a looks. say that point. it's a great point yes and you could tell um looking at the beginning of that game because I just watched it's fresh on me because I just watched it before <laughs> I got here and um you saw the over communicating and that's one thing about the Cowboys most of the time they're quick to the line there's not a lot of over communicating but you could tell that they were trying to sort through things also Dan Quinn went small he went with a small lineup to start if I'm not mistaken it was well, um Wanye started yeah it was mm -hmm. a it was a smaller lineup with um I think Chauncey Golston was in there yep. at some point in time uh and then and again like I think that they thought they were going to see things differently than what they mm. saw they adjusted mm -hmm. and then you saw that run defense shore up like it was against the 49ers I think they found good things to build upon to keep this this run defense at bay and I and that's important moving forward because I think that's how teams are going to attack you I want to talk about more defense but I want to talk about the secondary can oh, yeah we, can we talk about how short up that secondary is with mm -hmm. Stephon Gilmore because what I really liked about this when Dan Quinn was asked about Trayvon Diggs and you know he's not necessarily the one being the ball hawk in the moment he said he has a mindfulness of getting the football no matter where it is. So whether that's making the pass breakup, making a strong tackle that ends up in a ball fumble and then, you know, the rest is history from there. He has a mindfulness to now be able to do that. And it, I think to me it's Trayvon Diggs just playing finally kind of a sigh of relief that you have a guy on the other side that's there to help you and balance you out. And now all you have to do is play football. Yeah. You don't have to do anything other than just play football, find the ball, and go for it. That seems simple enough, right? But also, when you have two just solid guys on both sides of that secondary, it's so dangerous. And then you go back and you watch Safan Gilmore. The way this man plays football is insane. His ability to just pretty much read a route before the receiver reads the route Fair. is off the charts. I mean, you can just see him eyeballing and he's shifting before the receiver even knows to shift. There it's were times he, were looking, he was looking at the court. That's how, you, how much he cared about the quarterback throwing the ball. There were some yeah. times he was looking at the quarterback and – and he's just like, okay, well, I know what you're doing, <laughs> yeah. my guy. You know, so, but I, I don't, I think Dan Quinn said it. I don't know who said it, but they were talking about how the the pass rush is married to the secondary. The corners oh, yeah. are mm -hmm. married to the edges, and that's also too going to help him run defense with those. I think Deron Bland, you mentioned how much he moved around. Yep. I think you mentioned that yesterday. He came up and tackled so well, also too that. 
I, I, they made they made the Giants have to take short yard short yardage situation. They took away those DBs took away any type of deep passing that he, they had in mind. It was an impressive. Yeah. It was impressive. And the be, and the most exciting thing about the secondary, Donovan Wilson and Jordan Lewis weren't be available, better. and they're going to be back yep. soon. So don't know that it'll be this weekend. But but, soon. but that really good secondary was without two key guys. Yep. Good so, point, Christy. Yeah. Well, that gives you a little glimpse of what we have to talk about Tomorrow's all week. Tomorrow's going to be fun. Tomorrow <laughs> is going to be such a fun time. We're going to start our uh, our key matchups. We're going to take a deeper dive into your Dallas Cowboys, New York Jets week two matchup. Until then, please go be awesome. Enjoy the rest of your day. Tell everybody to join into this podcast tomorrow. We have a lot of good stuff to talk about. For Jess, Aisha, and Christy, you are so awesome for watching this. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Go be amazing. This has been Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?